myself today, which is really uncommon on a Friday. So I play, I play the intro that I want. Bethany, she doesn't like this one. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We have been short of these this week because I had a couple of days off. Um, Monday morning, I, I I woke up and I was I'm I'm up really early on really really early on Monday, uh, Mondays. It's uh, the other side of me sleeping. Usually, a lot of my weekends, mostly Sunday. It was a little Saturday last week, and I couldn't quite get going on Monday, and I I couldn't. I was done what I needed to do, and I'm like, wow, I have a lot of off days left, and I got to use them or lose them. Uh, so I took Monday off, and then yesterday, um, I had on my schedule uh, another disability awareness experience with my friends at the Ability Center, where I say this lovingly, I uh, she is like my Ability Center little sister. Uh, I enjoy working with with Brittany on on the station that we were working at yesterday explaining she was doing some wheelchair explanations and the different kinds of them and there are many kinds um, and uh, we, we make a good team uh, I met some very other cool people there uh, and Amy Reamer Remmer, who I was told to connect with months and months ago and we we finally did and apparently she was told to connect with me and yesterday when we said we finally connect things kept pulling us apart, but I look forward to connecting her. She is in an authentic authors video that is uh, hosted by Chris Peterson, another part of the media conglomerate that now is the Ability Center and the initiative Think Differently. So look up Amy's story. I'm pretty sure if you go to the Ability Center's YouTube page, you can find that Amy lost an arm. And uh, yesterday, her station was explaining to uh, the org that was there how she lives, what makes her life easier. And I am stealing her line as someone whose job at these things, at the Ability Center, is to initiate conversation, to do introductions, and to kind of close up the day. Um, What did she say? Uh... We do all the same things. She means people with disabilities. We all do the same things. We just do them differently. There was another guy there named Jeremy. Huge Ohio State fan. Um, I believe he is in a 600-pound chair that uh, Professor X would be jealous of with all the incredible technology. In fact, we're going to come back to that kind of thing later on in today's podcast episode. Super cool dude. Um he blows into a straw to activate his chair and beyond. And the coolest part of hearing his story was he was uh, he was really into hunting before uh, his incident. And I didn't hear what the incident was. I was kind of dipping in and out of that. Super cool guy. And I, I had a great conversation with him afterwards. And I want to do more with Jeremy. Um, he wanted to continue to hunt. And there was some type of activity adaptive technology company that allows him in his condition after his accident in his chair to they've created this contraption this device and he can shoot a rifle crossbow or something else so he can still hunt absolutely incredible so i'm going to preface the topic we're going to get to in this way um and it has We're going to go in a much less serious fashion, somewhat, than with Jeremy, where what he's got and and the chair he has and how he can still live and do things just differently. I know 
it feels like the world sucks. I just spoke to Mommy High School yesterday. Um, they're football players and cheerleaders and some coaches and a few adults. We think how tough it is for them because their phones, the challenges in school, uh, something is always calling for their time. They've got to get good grades so they can do college or, or whatever. More challenging for them than, than for us. I just like I, I like to think that things are, have always been challenging because like for them, they have more resources than ever when it comes to mental health stuff. Well, it's really hard on them. There's really a lot of resources that they can tap into for help that we didn't have. Um, but the world now, and this is true like forever, the world now in the present is always, generally speaking, and I'll flesh this out later, the world now is always better than what it was 10 years ago, 30 years ago, 100 years ago. But Eric, 100 years ago, I didn't have my phone always grabbing my attention and time I could manage my day. Um, yeah, but there was a lot that really would have made your life miserable back then. Like diseases that you would have gotten and you would have died from immediately or crippled your life. Now it's like, here, take this shot. We'll come back to that later on. Um, let me run something by you. It is not often where my core is really shaken. So the other night I was coming home from work. I stopped at Monette's. I am sorry if this gets a little arcane. I'll be as clear as possible to paint the picture, but hopefully it will not turn into confusion. So I am uh, Monette's near me in what South Toledo. So I'm, that's Eastgate. Coming from Monette's towards airport. I get to that light at Eastgate and airport. Um, I'm turning left to go airport west towards Reynolds, uh, a, a car or so in front of me, the car turning left as I was going to is in an accident, uh, kind of a head-on, side-on collision, I think from a car coming from the other side of Eastgate, where there is rarely anybody ever coming from, and I actually just saw within the last day or so that the person making that left has to yield to the person from the oncoming direction, I guess regardless of which direction they're turning, left or right. So it seems like the person that I saw, I'm going to get to in a second, was at fault. That second has now come. So the car in front of me pulled up and, and went off. I pulled up and stopped. The girl, young young girl, 20-something, um, had stumbled, stumbled's not the right word, she got out of the car, which may have been extremely dangerous. Um, she staggered out of the car. And I said, I said, are you okay? And she said, no. So I wanted to, to help. I was able to think quickly enough to go, I don't think she's physically injured. I just think she's kind of in some level of shock. And actually, hold on. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. So thankfully, um, I noticed that she was not injured. I don't think she was physically injured. I think she was mentally in shock and um, just kind of paralyzed. She was in accident. Just very anxious, very upset, not physically injured. I could be wrong. Knowing that 
and then like literally inching and then literally inching forward um, to make my left. I, I wanted to get out and help, but me stopping right there was not going to work. Um, emergency services would have had to get there. Granted, they, they were not on their way within seconds after the collision. Then I made the left onto airport. Um, now thinking back, maybe I could have gone straight across airport and parked over there and then walked over, but I, I didn't think of that at the time. Um, so I made my left on airport and I was kind of crawling in my, uh, in my direction. I wanted to go towards Reynolds. Um, can I stop on the side here? Can I stop on the side here? What can I do to help this girl? Eventually after a hundred yards from the accident on airport going towards Reynolds, I just went on my way. There was no place for me to uh, safely pull over and help her. And I hate to be the person, as you might have heard me say before, uh, in the Logan movie, uh, Logan and uh, Professor X uh, see an accident on the side of a road and there's like horses running around because it was a, a farmer. And um, Professor X says, we should, we should stop and help them. Uh, and Logan says, no, we, we got to go. You know, some, somebody else will come along. Professor X says, we're somebody else. And that always sits with me. Um, but I just, in the moment, I couldn't think of a place to stop my vehicle, which wasn't going to be more problematic or maybe even dangerous. Um, so I went on and hope, I, I'm sure someone else helped. Um, if I had seen, she was screaming, uh, blood, whatever, I would have, I think I would have done more, but this is, I and, mean, and now I, now I regret not having gone to down the East Gate and maybe done something. Um, but I was I was a little upset at myself. But then I got home and thought about it a little bit, took a breath and thought, yeah, it, it, I, if I stopped where I was going to, it might have been problematic and again, unsafe, maybe dangerous, maybe making things worse. Um, so my, my soul recovered. This is another reminder. And we're all built differently. Um, but generally speaking, which, you know, I hate to do, we think when we hear of someone in distress or there's an awful thing going on, something happening to an animal, a child, a woman, someone with disability, we will spring into action and save that person or thing as best as we can because it's our human nature. But then that moment arrives. And unless, like uh, when I had uh, Paris Devon on from uh, TFD a couple of years ago, I said, how do you how do you just run into the places where people don't, where, where people run from? He said, we're trained. And he's right. So unless you've had that kind of training, if you're just a normal citizen like myself, you can say all you want, I'll save the day. But when you're in the crucible, when you're in the fire... When the pressure is on, you might freeze, as I did. Thankfully, it wasn't a life-threatening life-threatening situation. What else did I want to get to? Oh, um, this is this will be a sports story, but it's not X's and O's. It's not touchdowns. It has nothing to do with talent, wins and losses, or necessarily anything like that. We're not we're not breaking down a game. Um, I'll set it up like this even. Let's say that you work somewhere 
Um, and we've talked, Alex and I have talked about this. This kind of connects back to Naomi Osaka. And I put her in a tweet um, last night about this. Let's say you work at a job that you're really good at, but there are aspects of that job that you're not, you're not good at. You're just kind of unwilling to improve upon and you're getting criticism from your, your superiors and maybe even your coworkers. Like, Hey, we, we need you on this project. Like there's only four of us and the three of us have our thing covered and you have what, what you're good at. We, we do, we need you to like step up and do this part of the thing. You've had plenty of time to get up to speed on that. Like you've been here. And then the person, that person who has that weakness, when they get criticized by their manager, by their coworkers, they get written up. Maybe they get their, their job is, is in jeopardy. They go into a spiral and they say, and maybe very accurately, they have mental health issues. The criticism is causing me distress and I am no longer able to work. Okay. Those are fair boundaries. And I am, that is what this situation was. Let me get into the sports angle of it. There is a extremely talented, maybe one of the 20 most talented players in the NBA, with the exception of one thing in his game. But as far as like, he's not a 6'4 dude. He's 6'10. He's 6'10 and he plays like, he moves around the court like Steph Curry. He can defend anybody. Um, his name is Ben Simmons, and uh, he plays for the team that I follow most, the Philadelphia. Well, he doesn't. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers. He got traded to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden. So Ben Simmons uh, would not play for the Sixers at all this year. Going back to last year's playoffs, to, to the summer of 2021, uh, the Sixers were facing the Atlanta Hawks, a team by all rights they should have beaten pretty easily. Uh, ben Simmons did not have a good series, and he was taking rightful criticism. This is one of these things from, I'll get to the in-house part, but from fans, like he was not playing well. And it's part of the job. When you're you're a million-dollar athlete like that, um, if you're Harry Styles and you put on a shitty show, you're not delivering for what people are paying for, a lot of money for. Even if you're just buying jerseys, paying your cable fees to watch these games, people people are paying a lot to watch you and cheer for you and want the best for you. And when you don't play well, especially with this, with this thing that I'm going to bring up, it, it, it bothers people. So they are within their right to criticize you. And they did. In fact... There is a pretty upsetting and for NBA standards, for for athletic standards, a gory video that literally was like the last thing Ben Simmons did for the Sixers. He was passed the ball in a very tight game in like the second to last game of the series. Passed the ball literally within feet of the basket and totally open. And he passed it away. Or it was the kind of thing where I think he maybe took a couple of dribbles. He had an open layup. An open layup. 
and he passed the ball. Now, he is a pass-first player, but he is also one of the biggest individuals, one of the most physically gifted individuals in the NBA, and he passed up the shot. He succumbed to his fears. He succumbed to the, the, the critics. Maybe his own teammates and coaches got into his head that he could no longer perform. But he brought this on himself. Um, for So... He is, he is, he would be one of the five best players in the NBA if he took jump shots. What do you mean, took jump shots? Remember what I said about that employee who refused to do something necessary for the job? They wouldn't improve, they wouldn't practice it. They just said, I'm not good at it, so I'm not going to do it. Ben Simmons just couldn't take jump shots. He, he would miss them. He had an ugly shot. Um, so he didn't take them. In fact, it was so much so his previous coach said, Ben, I don't care what it looks like. Just take one a game to build your confidence. And he never did it. He dismissed th- that, that edict from his coach, which was disrespectful. But NBA players and star players can have that. And he's been in the league for five or six years, and he has not improved really at all. He's gotten a little bit better from experience in the game, but as far as improving certain parts of his game, I mean, he was really good at a lot of them. He was an all-star. But his jump shot, like an elemental part of being an NBA player, even just taking the shot, he never improved. That's why when he was seen dating Kendall Jenner a couple of summers ago, it wasn't a great look. Like, date whoever you want, but you're a modern athlete. You can't put that stuff out there, especially knowing that there's a lot of drama around them. Devin Booker, I think, was dating Kendall Jenner a bunch. The the irony is Devin Booker has one of the best jump shots in the NBA. I guess she likes light skin. Tall, light-skinned dudes. Totally fine. She's got her... We all have our tastes and our choices and our preferences. And I have no problem with him doing that. What I had a problem was with that picture being out there, knowing that he was probably not spending his summer improving a willingness to take a shot. Again, I didn't even want him to make the things. Just take them. He never improved an integral part of his game. So the criticism was, I think, right. That caused him to go into a mental health spiral. He did not play for the Sixers this past year. Something about a back injury, but he also said mental health issues. And he and his agent said, the Sixers were not helping me. Now, I guess after he refused to take that layup, his teammate, who was the leader of the team, and his coach kind of threw him under the bus and called him out. You want to handle those things in-house, but everybody saw it. Uh, again, Ben brought them brought this on himself by his unwillingness to be better at his job, to at least fake improvement. Post a couple videos, uh, and he did some of this, but not nearly enough. We we just didn't buy it. So his mental health issues were brought on by himself, and I tie this back to Naomi Osaka, and and I am. Extremely reluctant, as reluctant and reticent as any words that will come out of my mouth to criticize anyone who says, I have a mental health issue. In this case, I've been a little reticent, but 
the smell was on. He was on a podcast with a former teammate saying all this stuff. But he was upset by his his former teammate and his, his former coach that they threw him under the bus. And again, they shouldn't have done it publicly, but it's what we all knew and saw all the time. In my opinion, and I think my opinion is right here, he brought the mental health issues on himself. Others had tried to help him the entirety of his career. Like I just said, his former coach, who was a pretty good coach, said, Ben, just take one a game. You don't have to make it. You, uh, I'm being hyperbolic, but Ben, throw it up backwards from the three-point line. Just take it. He never did it. So I'm sure that everybody uh, whose interest was in mine tried to help him, and he refused. He could have avoided these mental health issues, which I truly believe he had. Um, To tie this back to Naomi Osaka, who struggles with the criticism that she gets and doesn't like a lot of the questions that she gets in these press conferences. And some of them, as Alex and I talked about, may be way inappropriate and way off base and unnecessary. But from some of the ones that I came across, they were just pretty, they were hard questions, but they're pretty standard. Um, and other athletes will, will answer them. And I don't ever want to, like, I don't ever want to tell you what should upset you. It's, it's not my place. What upsets you, upsets you. And if I don't understand it, fine. But what you have to understand when you're in these positions, as I told Alex before with Naomi Osaka, if she, if she struggles in these press conferences and with the criticism and whatever else, booing, that, that, that is, that is fair. Not, nothing over the line, no name calling or anything like that. Um, being in the public spotlight as a professional athlete might not be for these people. By the way, when Ben Simmons was traded to the Nets, he never played for them. In fact, I think the Nets tried to shame him into some action. Um, completely new organization. He was going to get a fresh start. And I think that the Nets said in the playoffs, we, uh, we think Ben's going to suit up in a couple of nights. And I think Ben was like, uh, that's not happening. I think they wanted to prod him to get out there to immerse yourself in your fear or anxiety to flood yourself. Just get out there and do it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be anxiety-inducing. But the anxiety, as I told those kids and mommy yesterday, will eventually fade away. The way Ben Simmons would have overcome his mental health issues is just putting up jump shots. Look, and and I, Philadelphia fans, sports fans are hard. But if he would have gone three for 13, missed 10 shots, made three every night, but he showed a willingness to want to improve, that town of hard-ass sports fans and myself would have supported him. But he never showed that at all. He showed fear. And he didn't want to overcome it. He brought the mental health issues, which I am certain he has, on himself. Things now are always better, generally speaking, than they have ever been. Yesterday, I uh, used part of my day off to, to get some clothes shopping done for Alex's wedding. And I came across a lot of dress pants, slacks, whatever you want to call them, with elastic on them. Uh, I have never seen anything like that before. I have not, I don't wear those because, not because of that. It's, it's never been required in what I do. So jeans in my athleisure. Um, so I showed this to Philip and I was like, 
Philip, is this a, is this a trend? I saw it at Express, but I even saw it at JCPenney too. I said, Philip, is this a, is this some kind of trend that you're seeing over in Europe where a lot of things come from? He said, not that I've seen, but it might be. So I was like, oh, oh, it's us generally, most of us, overweight Americans. Which, hey, look, I'll subscribe to because of a little stretch and no lie. Like, I like that my jeans stretch now. Um, and if a little stretch keeps me in a 34 for the rest of my life, fine. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but I really would have liked the stretch when I was a super low self-esteem, really concerned about my weight teenager. Like it would have been helpful to have the little stretch when I was, had to go suit shopping for my bar mitzvah and other bar mitzvah and, and events like that. I would attend. I think the most I was ever up to was uh, like 2004 and five, six. I was a 38. I'll have to find some pictures of me back then. I, I definitely look bigger. Um, I lost a bunch of weight. And then I think in the late aughts and early tens, I was, I was a comfortable 36. Then I was able to do a little more and maybe I got a little bit of stretch. And I'm a pretty solid 34. All the fits are different. Like yesterday, I tried on two of the two of the exact same kind of pants. Um, same size. And one was tight as anything. I got another one, same size. You know the story? Fit fine. They're imperfect. Um I would have I would have appreciated this kind of a clothing function years ago. And many other people will, as clothing companies have finally embraced bodies of all different shapes and sizes, which when I was younger, I was one. It was, when I was younger, um, that, that 38 me, it was hard to find 38, 34s. Um, you've probably noticed in, in stores that many people have shop at now. I, I do a lot of the stuff like Express, but it was hard to find those sizes. Everything was 34, 30, 32, 28, blah, blah, blah. Clothing companies didn't recognize it. Uh, people were a lot bigger. Um, and I didn't have a lot of options. You couldn't buy online like now, then. It was hard to find 38, 34s. There are a lot more options now. Um, to tie this back to something more serious, when I spoke to Jeremy yesterday, we are encouraged to ask questions. In fact, when you see someone with a disability, don't stare. In a courteous way, with thoughtful intent, ask the question. Ask what you want to know. I said, Jeremy, do you think in our lifetimes, like seeing what you're sitting in, do you think in our lifetimes you'll be able to walk? He said, yeah. And I, I had said, I think maybe by the time we're old, we can fix you. He said, I think it, I think in my lifetime. He talked about some kind of like adaptive technology, like replacing a vertebrae. We've all watched science fiction movies. We can see it. What was science fiction in 1980 is now behind the counter at Walgreens. That's my point. Uh, think back to like a hundred years ago. Uh, if you got certain, certain illnesses, you were, you were dead. Like they get in the 1800s, like they give you cocaine, um, medical technology, science, technology, all of this stuff is so incredible. And yeah, as things evolve and change, there are different plagues that take us down. 
But think about how many people died of cancer through human history. They had cancer. I don't know if we necessarily knew it at the time or when they died, but we can cure things that just in my lifetime, like when, when I heard cancer, when I was a kid, like it was a death sentence. Now we've got the Coleman race on Sunday. So many of those women, breast cancer is no longer a death sentence with common with men and prostate cancer. Um, you find it early and you're, you're good to go. Now there's other terrible ones like pancreatic, which seems like a death sentence, but the things that we can cure these days Again, for all the ills on our phones, and I was just talking to a doctor yesterday of psychology, psychiatry um, yesterday at the mommy thing, and he talked about, we probably have overlooked a lot of times ADHD diagnoses, and I was like, yeah, I probably had some of them when I was a kid, and he went on to talk about you know how pervasive it can be, and I pulled out my phone, and I was like, here's why, he's like, you're, you're right, because we can have anything we want at any time with a couple of clicks. So that takes away our patience. Um, and when we don't get something, it can be hard to manage because our phone can give us so much of what we want. Um, but again, the way that we can save people now, how much easier our lives are, like... We were an agrarian society where people worked and died in fields. Um, 150 years ago, as the Industrial Revolution got going, people died in factory. Like the two two brothers that passed away at the refinery the other day, like that was maybe like a daily or weekly occurrence in the late 19th century. We're so much safer and smarter, and have so much better science now. I remember. Um, in 2007, 8, and 9, when steroids was still around baseball and it was a big discussion um, and people were still getting nabbed, I remember saying to a co-host of mine, like, the stuff that people are taking now, it'll be legal or there'll be a legal version of it in 10 years. And somebody like Jose Canseco, who kind of God, who, who was the godfather and the seminal person of the steroid movement because he admitted to taking it and dimed out others and altered his body to become an all-star and a huge player in the 90s. I I said all along, when I was a kid, you'd hear about steroids and all the awful things that could happen. But in the 2000s, when Jose Canseco did this, I was like, hold on. He was doing like, he was like a mad scientist, but actually like a, a, a successful one in these bathroom stalls with all these needles. And I kept saying, as long as he doesn't keel over at like 54 and he's got to be late 50s, early 60s, if he doesn't keel over, he may have actually found the fountain of youth before legal science has. Sylvester Stallone still looks pretty good for his age, right? He definitely did that stuff. Um, And a lot of those things that were illegal then, there are safer, regulated, legal versions of that now. And that's why when you look at high school kids, they look like professional players from 1998. They have better health, science, and training. Things are always better, healthier, and safer now than they have ever been. So I went way longer than I expected to. Oh, one last quick thing. Um, only 20-somethings, Gen Z, are, call, are, are no-call no-shows, right? Uh, there's, a per, there's a person at a place that I go, I've, I saw all the time, nice, nice, nice person. And I haven't seen him for weeks. And a friend said, oh, he's going on vacation. 
Then I heard some talk today that, uh, well, it came back from vacation and then called off and then did some no-call no-shows and didn't come back. I mean, vacation will do that to anybody. Uh, this gentleman, nice as can be, was not Gen Z. He was like Gen Z times three. He was 60-something, clearly retired. So, as we talked about earlier this week with the Adam Levine thing, um, doesn't matter how much money you have or what you look like, humans will always be humans. And as I always say, it is so hard to run from your DNA. Uh, whether it's stepping out on your marriage because you can't control yourself uh, and you just can't break it off, or you're a no-call, no-show. doesn't matter what you look like or if you're 78 or 28. Thanks for listening and being here today.